Merry Christmas, Crosspoint. I saw a few people going, I get it. What a connection. This week played off last week a little bit, didn't it? And I thought Mike did a great job this morning of helping the kids make that Christmas connection. And uh, I love Christmas time. I love this time of year. I, I, uh, I, I think the service so far has been wonderful. I know you've, you've sat patiently. We've had the kids in here today, and, and uh, I think they feel a part of our service. It's kind of good once in a while. We didn't have children's church when I was your age, guys. We sat in here, and I didn't understand half of what was being said. We didn't have videos, and we didn't have a mic giving gifts. Oh, by the way, at the end of the service, if you're a child, and maybe even a little older, we've got some, Letty has put together a little gift candy bags, and if you will meet outside of the soldier's classroom, make a nice line, she'll see to it you get one. Anybody going to the movies this holiday season? Anybody see the new Star Wars? I want to see that this week. I was telling Jane the other night, what a great time to go to the movies. I don't go a lot, but I like to go when, you know, we got a little time. We don't have to be rushed. I love the smell of the popcorn, don't you, when you walk in? First thing that hits you. I love the comfortable seats. I love the sense of anticipation. I even enjoy reading the trivia questions that they'll sometimes throw up there. And, but the best part is when the lights dim and the previews begin and everyone gets real quiet. You know, that little sense of anticipation that something amazing is about to happen. Now, I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you walked in those church doors and felt that way? I want to let you in on a little something. You play the biggest part in connecting with God than anyone else in here. I I know we sometimes think, well, I I hope the the praise band's on today and they can help me connect. And they're doing their part. Or the one that leads communion, they'll get me to connect with God. And they're doing their part. I hope the message speaks to me. And the message guy, he's doing his part. But you play the biggest part. And with that in mind, I want to ask you a question. Sort of the title of today's message. What is the one gift that Jesus wants from you this Christmas that only you can give? Here's the answer. Look on the screen. Your heart. It's your heart. It's the only thing you can really give if you stop and think about it. The the wise men understood it was an audience of one. He is the audience, and they came to worship Him with all their hearts. It happened in Matthew 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born. In Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one? See, it's an audience of what? One. They didn't come to worship Mary. They didn't come to worship Joseph. They came to worship the one who has been born king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east, and we have come to do what? Worship him. That's what God wants from you this Christmas season. It's the Greek word proskuneo. It means to kiss toward heaven or to fall flat on your face. Reverential awe. 
adore Him, to bow down before Him. And the Father actually desires this. The Father actually seeks worshipers. You say, well, where does it say that in the Bible, Bruce? Well, in John chapter 4 and verse 24, it says, True worshipers worship the Father. How? In spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father, what's the last word? Seeks. He seeks worshipers. See, I used to say that God made us to serve Him. And uh, then I got to thinking, well, if He did, He did a mighty poor job of it. And besides that, He's got angels to serve Him, right? I mean, with one word, Michael, Gabriel, and man, aye, aye, sir, yes, sir, right away, sir. And they're off doing the Master's bidding. I have to admit, I don't always feel that way. I sometimes drag my feet, get a little lackadaisical. How about you? God wants our hearts. I think about the only thing we can give Him is our hearts. Look at Proverbs 23, 26. My son, look at these next two words. They blow my mind. Give me your heart. Can you imagine the God of the universe saying, Give me? I mean, he's got everything, right? And he's saying, give me? I mean, if we gave God all of our money, would that make God any richer? If we gave God all of our intellect, would that make God any smarter? No. If we gave God all of our prestige, and honor, and accolades that we've been given over the years. Would that make God any more glorious? No. And so really about the only thing we can give God is our hearts. For us to try to worship God without giving Him our hearts first is a fraud. We become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And so, I want to give you quickly, I know you've been here a while, but three reasons, hang in there with me, three reasons why we should worship Him. Number one, let's worship Him for who He is, and who is He? Well, Matthew 1, 21 says, she will give birth to a son. And you're to give Him the name Jesus, why? Because He will save His people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said Through the prophet, hundreds of years later, this prophecy was given. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would you say that with me? God with us. Just the men. God with us. Just the women. Just the children. Everyone. God with us. Whenever you hear the word Emmanuel, I want you to think, God with us. That's His name. His name means He is with us. When God made this announcement to the shepherds, 
I don't think it was an accident. Why do you go to the shepherds? If you know anything about shepherds in the first century, if this is the top rung on the totem pole, they were at the bottom. No one said, when I grow up one day, I want to be a shepherd. Everyone goes, ah, what a job. Smelly, outcast, out there by themselves. No one hung out with shepherds. They were kind of the weirdos. They were those people. You know what I'm talking about? As a matter of fact, last week, if you were here for our Arrest Those Merry Men, our, our play, remember what the sheriff wanted to do? And her deputy rookie named Rookie? They wanted to arrest those merry men, those shepherds, those outcasts, those troublemakers. They were obviously up to no good, and that was kind of the thinking of the day. Here's why I think God came to shepherds first before anyone else. If God would come to the lowliest of low, He will come for you. Isn't that good news? I think we need to share that good news with people. People need to hear that God cares about shepherds and that God cares about you. Children who are 12 and 13 years old need to hear that if they're in an orphanage and they see the little kids being adopted and they think, I'm never getting out of this place. No one's ever going to want me. They need to hear God cares about shepherds and God cares about you. Mothers of children without husbands need to hear that good news. Lowly, lonely people need to hear the good news. Those who have lost loved ones this past year need to hear that good news. Church people who feel useless and empty need to hear that. All of us need to hear that because all of us at times have known what it feels like to be rejected and outcast and lonely and not invited to the party. We need to hear this good news. God made an announcement to shepherds. And he made an announcement to you. It's a personal, it's a personal announcement. Unto you a Savior's been born. We need to worship him for who he is. Who is he? He is God with us. Number two, we need to worship him for what he has done. And what has he done? Well, Paul told Timothy he saved us. 2 Timothy 1.9 he saved us. He has saved us and called us to be whole, to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Ah, oh, that's good news. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus. Before the beginning of time, before you were thought of, he thought of you. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What has he done? Two words. Destroyed death. Say that with me. Destroyed death. I officiate at funerals. I, I don't know. Since I became a preacher, I don't think I've missed a year where I haven't done at least one funeral. Recently, I've done two. Some of you have attended the funeral service of Jackie Shipman. Some of you in this audience have, we sat at the same table together when we officiated at uh, Grace Biggers' service. 
You know what I love about those two women and doing their services? They made my job easy because they believed in the one who did what? Destroyed death. See, I, I don't have to feel horrible about a service like that. I miss Jackie. You know, I would only see Grace about once a year. She was, you know, care, giving care to her husband. But you know what? I will see them again one day. Every loved one, I'll see my parents again one day. Every loved one, every person you have ever known who believed in this one who destroyed death, you will see again. That's why I like to say at funeral services that this is not goodbye forever. This is just so long for now. That's good news. He didn't just come to give you a better life. He came to give you eternal life. So worship Him. One more thing, and I'll let you go to your Christmas festivities. He did one more thing. We worship Him for who He is because He's God with us, Emmanuel. We worship Him, number two, because of what He's done. He has saved us and destroyed death. And number three, we worship Him for what He will do. He's doing it right now, but He will do something as well. Ephesians says, He works through us right now. Chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto Him, that's Jesus, who was able to do what? Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. Who's the us? The church. We're the church. We're the us. Where's the power? Us. Through us. He gives us the power. And so, we are His hands, we are His feet, we are His eyes, we see needs, and then we go and meet those needs once we get in the church. We're first sinners saved, then secondly, we're sinners serving, and thirdly, we're sinners saving others. That's what the church does. That's what the church is all about. And how long will this glory last, Paul? To Him be glory in the church, that's us, and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever. Amen. Almost sounds like the Lord's Prayer, doesn't it? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. The kingdom and His church are synonymous. Mm, That's good news. But one day He's coming back. And I'm going to leave you with this verse here. What will Jesus do? He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Some of you are going through a hard time. Christmas isn't always happy for everybody. Not everyone's having a great Christmas. Some of you have been down. Some of you have been sad. Some of you are saying, Jesus, when are you coming back? He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many, well, the old King James says mansions. It's really the Greek word more for a dwelling place. You know, we used to sing an old song. Remember the hymn, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I just pictured my, well, mine's going to be over here and yours is going to be over there. Just go over the hilltop. We'll see each other. No, 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 no. You don't get a mansion. You get the mansion. You get a dwelling place. Where? In the Father's house. I'm not going to live over the hilltop. I'm living in the Father's house. That's where I want to live. A dwelling place of my own. I'm going to prepare a room for you in my Father's house. And if I go, I will come again. Oh, I love those words. To receive you 
unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Where is he going to be? In the Father's house. Are you in Christ? Have you received the Christmas gift yet this morning of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you made the connection that the baby and the cross is the same Jesus? Have you opened his gift and said, I do to Jesus. Jesus, I just surrender all. I'm a mess, but I want to be your mess. I'm a sinner. I need your love. I need your grace. I'm so glad that you are God and that you are good and that you are giving. Wasn't that a great little lesson the kids learned this morning? Mm. Wasn't a great refresher for all of us? But before you can worship this God, you've got to receive the gift from this God. It's the gift of salvation. And so open the gift. In order to say, Our Father, and live in the Father's house, you've got to be what? A son or a daughter. Our Father who art in heaven. You can't pray that prayer if you're not a son or a daughter. Well, how do I become a son or a daughter? I open the gift. How do I open the gift? Real simple. You repent of your sins. Just say, God, you're sorry. And you trust Jesus alone for your salvation. Pretty simple, isn't it? And when you do that, the Bible says you become a believer. You believe and you receive. And the first thing a believer does, you read this in the book of Acts, you won't find one believer that does it the very next thing. Show the whole world that they're believers by putting Jesus on a baptism. Isn't that cool? So simple, so straightforward, not complicated. God didn't want to make the gospel real complicated. And so the Christmas, God awaits your worship. But it starts by you giving Him your heart. Let's bow. Let's pray. Jesus, because of who You are, we worship You. Because of what You've done, we worship You. And because of what You are going to do, we worship You this Christmas morning. We gladly give You our hearts. If you don't know Him this morning as Savior, you can by opening His Christmas gift to you. Accept Him as Lord. Put Him on in baptism. In Jesus' name, Amen.